You're listening to The Beauty Brains, where real scientists answer your beauty questions. And now, here's Perry and Randy. Hello, beauty brainiacs from around the world. Welcome to episode 138. I'm your host, cosmetic chemist Perry Romanowski, and with me as always, my formulating partner in crime, Randy Schuler. How's it going, Randy? Hey, Perry. Good to talk to you again. Well, Randy, we've got a big show today. Uh, you know, we're going to try a little new format. Uh, we'll call it hmm. Beauty Science News, the lightning round. So okay. in the show, you can put like a lightning crash sound after I say the lightning round. Oh, I like that. Actually, thunder makes the crashing sound, oh. but okay. Good, good point, Mr. Pedantic. So anyway, we're going to try a new thing where we rapidly cover a bunch of stories rather than drone on about these stories like we usually do, right? <laughs> Plus, we'll answer your questions and tell you whether a boar bristle brush is better for your hair. If magic eraser removes spray tans... We'll cover whether sheet masks are better than moisturizers and tell you whether milk of magnesia is good as a makeup primer. But first, some of that witty banter we're so famous for. Uh, you have anything, Randy? <laughs> no, you, you, you take it. Oh, in well. Actually, I don't have anything personal that I want to share today. I'm, I'm getting... I've, I, I've been told I'm a little too narcissistic. <laughs> but I did see an interesting story uh, going on in the beauty industry. Um, you know, J&J, they own that Aveeno brand. Mm-hmm. Well, they must be expanding more into personal care because they just bought this OVX brand, or it used to be called Organics. Oh, yeah, sure. They do the um, like the little sort of squat, roundish bottles with all the kind of crazy... Um, right, the colored, uh, yeah. Yeah, crazy colors and, and natural right. you know, uh, natural extract-based. Yeah, sure, I'm familiar with well, that. Well, that, that brand has... You know, the the hair care market hasn't been growing much at all, but that brand in particular was growing like 25% in the last 52 weeks. I know it was on a huge uh, growth rate. I just don't know what size it started yeah. with. So I don't know if in dollars that's big, but certainly percentage-wise. Well, yeah. you can decide whether it's big or not. Uh, J&J just bought them for $3 billion. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Bully for that. I, know. I, think, uh, I think our old comrades were involved in that brand. Um, Jim Marino and uh, the, the some of the people that were at oh. Alberto, I think they were involved in that. I did not know that. That brand also used to be called Organics, and now right. it's called, what, OVX? O-G-X, OGX, I believe. Yeah, you know why they switched names? Because uh, it wasn't really organic? <laughs> well, they got sued. From... Well, it turns out in California, there are a lot of lawyers in California that um, if you use the word organic on your personal care product, they'll sue you because <laughs> because you're not following. Because California has some organic standards out there and it covers cosmetics. And oh, that's interesting. And so, yeah, if you if you want to if you want a lawsuit. In fact, some of us tell me when I was in California that. Um, there are just lawyers who go to the stores. They look for uh, cosmetic products that say the word organic, and if it doesn't follow the have this the organic symbol that's required in California, then mm-hmm. they sue you. So, so it the name change doesn't seem to have hurt them. I mean, they just sold the brand for three billion dollars. Yeah, so, yeah, good, yeah good good for them. All right, uh, hey, why don't we move into our lightning round, uh, beauty science news. Yeah, so we're going to just uh, kind of rattle off some recent headlines that appeal to us and just give, some, give us a, a quick commentary on each one. I'll start. 
you know, last week we talked about superfood as a beauty ingredient. How about waste food? Uh, there are a couple of com uh, companies, one Swiss and one Netherlands based, that are now using uh, waste foods such as uh, linseeds, peas, rice, citrus peels, and old tomatoes to create cosmetic ingredients. So that reminds me. Look for that yeah. coming to a store. <laughs> wow, near that you. that sounds great. Well, at least we're not wasting food, right? <laughs> yeah, that's a good yeah. thing. Yeah, I remember that story we had about uh, using French fry waste oil for skin. Oil, yeah. sure. Yeah, for new surfactants. Yeah. All right, I got a story here. Hey, you know the Pope? It turns out he loves beauty bloggers. <laughs> According to this story, Pope Francis praised beauty bloggers for giving beauty tips that help neutralize aggression. And uh, he goes on to say that beauty bloggers help start people taking a path of optimism and hope. So there you have it. We beauty bloggers are blessed. Did the Pope weigh in on that controversy about using Oreos as mascara? I'd like to hear what he had to <laughs> did, say about that. He did not that. mention that at all. He, but he did say you shouldn't do that with communion wafers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, are we going to get <laughs> nasty emails because of no, this? No, you shouldn't. Uh, I think I think all Catholics would agree you shouldn't use communion wafers as uh, <laughs> facial treatments. <laughs> uh, let's just move on. You know, usually uh, Europe is ahead of us when it comes to regulating cosmetic ingredients, or at least they're perceived to be that way. But uh, it's not always the case. I just read Denmark is just now considering banning microbeads. Like the U.S. has been on this for at least a year. Heck, we're already getting ready to ban the stuff that we replace microbeads with. <laughs> wow, yes. So, you know, get with the program, Denmark. That's right. They're a little slow. I guess they don't have to worry about plastic in their waterways up there. All right. Uh, hey, you like your, your, uh, your smartphone, right? Well, Love there's it. a new app on the market called Wrinkle, what's well, R-Y-N-K-L, uh, which is a wrinkle analysis app. It's meant to mm -hmm. make you aware of your facial wrinklescape and even give you a wrinkle index score. Essentially, you snap a selfie and then the app tells you how wrinkly your skin looks. <laughs> which And then it also prescribes <laughs> antidepression medicine for you? Sounds great for your self-esteem. Well, the inventor <laughs> thinks it's good to get people believing that aging is a problem because that's going to inspire you to do something about your ugly, wrinkly face, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> I know oh, I'm going nice. to go download that app right away. Wow. Uh, you remember, oh, maybe... Two years ago, I think it was, Burger King came out with a perfume. I do vaguely that. recall that, yeah. Uh, well, now uh, KFC has launched a fried chicken flavored nail <laughs> Come polish. Oh, <on>, really? <laughs> no, I swear to God, that's amazing. Now, right now, it's only available in Hong Kong, but I ordered some for Mrs. Romanowski to try. So <laughs> well, let me know how that works. Well, I'll out. let you know if it's finger licking good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Hey, uh, it's uh, it's summer here in Chicago, and uh, you know, Consumer Reports came out with their recent SPF or their sunscreen uh, report, uh, which is interesting. I mean, it's it's interesting to see which brands they cover and things. But there was one nugget out of here that I found most interesting. According to their studies, 43% of the sunscreens they tested fell short of the claimed SPF values. Well, we've, we've talked about the, these kind of results before. There's a lot that goes into this. How were they properly applied? Right. Well, they were following, yeah. no, they were following the FDA protocol for, for okay. the test. Oh, okay. Right. So, okay. I, I, I mean, I think what it says is that, you know, when a company 
you know, when you're trying to prove that your sunscreen has uh, whatever value it is, you run the test until you can get that value, right? Or you can just follow the monograph and put in what is prescribed. Right, right. Well, you still have to run the SPF. Uh, I mean, you can't put in like 20% titanium dioxide and there's a number that goes with it. It really depends on how it's manufactured. Hmm. So, so anyway, um, I think what it shows is like when you test it for SPF, you'll, um, you'll run the test as prescribed by the FDA. And if you get the number, you're not going to repeat the test a bunch of times. You'll do it when you get your score right. and do it, yeah, assuming yeah, sure, that it always sure. works. But I don't think you can really make that assumption. So the, the bottom line is, though, if you're using an SPF uh, product, you know, you got to put on enough and reapply. Good point. That also reminds me, I have to remember to close the blinds in the living room. I don't like that sunlight. <laughs> exactly. Um, you know, I, I know you do. I do. I, it, tattoos, I think, are just a fashion statement. Sh sure. Right? Well, actually, they can be a way to help stave off illness. There was a study recently published in the American Journal of Human Biology that uh, found that by getting multiple tattoos, you can actually increase the body's immune system to ward off infections. Wow. Well, like, what's in these tattoos? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's just that you're constantly challenging your body when you, when you, uh, you know, it, it, because getting a tattoo is a fairly invasive process. Maybe that stimulates the immune system. I don't know. All I know is... If I can find a tattoo artist that will come to my house, I'm getting some tats. <laughs> but use invisible ink, right? <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if you can get the same effect by just sitting around poking your skin with a with a toothpick. So, maybe that's just a that's a just an annoying habit I have. <laughs> hey, did you read that story in New Beauty about the uh, the woman who uh, had her own home remedy that uh, created a hole in her face? Oh, I did yeah! See as that. a natural oh. salve, it destroyed her skin. Um, it turns out that there is this uh, home remedy, and it was outlined in the Journal of the Academy of Dermatology. But there's this home remedy called black salve, and black salve has ingredients like zinc chloride and sanguinarian. And anyway, uh, these na this natural paste. Um, people think that it can destroy skin cancer, right? So they'll put it on. Mm. They'll put it on spots on their skin that they suspect are cancerous. You know, <laughs> what could go right? wrong with this approach? Well, I'll tell you what. Well, the the idea is that this salve will draw out the cancer into the salve, and then you can wipe it off, which is unfortunately <laughs> wow. uh, just wrong. And uh, what happened with this woman is she uh, she put this on all over her face, and um, what happened? The salve went completely through her nose and to her nasal passages, and now she has a hole oh. in her nose. So the bottom line is, um, don't try to cure skin cancer yourself with home remedies. In fact, oh, I think you should uh, avoid home remedies uh, in general <laughs> for products that you can buy in the store. Well, I think on that high point, we can end our beauty science <laughs> news lightning round. Holy crap. Uh, and why don't we move on to this week's cosmetic questions? All right. Our first question comes to us from Georgina. And we got an audio one there. So, Randy, you want to hit the play button on that? Hey, guys. I love the show. I have a question about boar bristle brushes, uh, in particular the Mason Pearson hairbrush. Retails for around $100 and... Everyone raves about it, but I don't understand 
whether it actually is better for your hair or scalp than um, a normal plastic bristle brush or any other brush for that means. Um, would love to know what your thoughts are. Thanks, guys. Bye. Well, thanks so much for that question, Georgina. Uh, it's tough to give a definitive answer because, as you might imagine, there aren't many double-blind, peer-reviewed scientific studies comparing different hairbrushes. I just don't know why research like that doesn't get funded. <laughs> but we did find a couple of studies that may be helpful. The first study, called A Statistical Analysis of Hair Breakage, pointed out the, that something that seems obvious Different combs and brushes will affect your hair differently depending on their structure. The researchers, yeah, yeah, the researchers say that the spacing between the teeth or bristles has a big influence. They also noted that different comb or bristle materials may ha also have a different tendency for abrasion. Unfortunately, the research didn't provide any data on the differences in abrasion, which would have been really helpful for answering this question. That, actually, that's a great study. If you just took hair tresses and then kept everything constant and just used different brush and comb materials and rubbed it against the hair to measure the friction, that would be, a, a, I think, a big indicator of how much it would damage your hair. But I, not, to my knowledge, nobody's done yeah, that study. Yeah, maybe the people, the good people at Goody, maybe they did, right? Yeah. <laughs> actually, yeah. I remember when I had this idea for creating a comb uh, at Alberto, and and I had, to, I, I had this idea of putting, uh, I think it was putting charcoal, uh, into the comb and it would pull out mm -hmm. static electricity better, right? Mm. <laughs> so what I did was I took a comb and I had to melt mm. the comb and then I was going to reform it. So I could I would melt the plastic, sure. put in the co charcoal, and then reform it. Right. And so, so I started melting it by my lab bench and it started like smoking and steaming and it started creating this incredible stench which caused the guys from maintenance to come down. <laughs> and the last thing I remember is, no, it's no fire. I'm just burning a comb. <laughs> you didn't even do that in the ventilation? Well, thing? I moved it when it started to smell. Oh, but all I remember about that was at the end, uh, the guy getting on his walkie-talkie is like, ah, don't worry about the fire. It's just some idiot here in the lab melting a comb. <laughs> so that's, that, Story of that never career. came out. Anyway, let's move back to the, the question. There was a second study that compared the brushes to combs, and they confirmed the importance of the configuration of the brush bristles, or the comb teeth. It compared hair breakage resulting from using one of the three different styling implements, so a goody mm -hmm. flat paddle style brush, which features plastic bristles, with a bulbous tip where the bristles bulb was 0.213 centimeters, there was a okay. cylindrical <laughs> there, was, there was a cylindrical priv styling brush also containing plastic bristles with a smaller bristle bulb and then there was an mm -hmm. ace comb uh, which had unspecified dimensions and their results mm. showed that the brushes and combs cause hair breakage because hairs become looped uh, around individual bristles once they are looped the friction increases and then the hair can be pulled or broken out Interestingly, the data showed that brushing causes more long hairs to break, while combing causes the shorter hairs to break more. Apparently, this has to do with how the brush bristles are configured in multiple rows and columns. That's surprising, but okay. The other interesting finding of this study is that brushes tend to distribute hair over a wider area than a comb, which tends to confine the hairs to a narrow path. 
And that means mm. that in terms of oil distribution, a brush actually could provide a better opportunity for spreading oil or conditioning materials you know, than a comb can. And then finally, although we couldn't find any data to back it up, we do hypothesize that boar bristles may do a better job of spreading scalp oils through the hair. And that's because the boar's hair brushes would have a greater affinity for oils than plastic or nylon brushes. So if the hmm. boar's hair does act as a natural reservoir for oil, and it can lubricate the hair better. But again, that's kind of just a guess. I mean, that, that might be the basis for that old wives' tale about, you know, uh, brushing your hair a hundred times each night. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, I could see that if you're distributing scalp oils down to the, you know, the, especially if you have long hair, you're distributing that oil through the tips of your hair to help prevent breakage. I, I suppose there could be some value in that, but you have to offset that by the fact that just the abrasion from brushing is causing some right, damage as right. well. So. And with modern brushes, you know, the plastics, probably the combing is worse than the spreading the oil through, right? Right. So the bottom line is that we don't really have a definitive answer, but it looks like the configuration of the bristles is more important than what materials they're made from. And based on what we've seen, it may be best to use a combination of a wide tooth comb to dehangle, detangle the hair and then a natural fiber bristle brush, like the boar's hair, to distribute the oils through your hair. However, even though there may be some slight advantage to the boar bristle brushes, it's hard to say how much money that difference is worth, right? Are you even going to mm, notice? Yeah. You have to consider the yeah. overall quality of the brush and how long it's going to last and how it feels in your hand and, and things like that. So... Even if there's no scientific benefit, sometimes it's just nice to splurge on nice stuff. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I don't, I'm not sure we really helped her much with a definitive answer, but it feels like there's, you know, there's just enough science there where she could feel good enough about spending $100 on a nice brush. And really, the beauty brains, we're, we're here to make you feel better about yourself. <laughs> but not to waste money exactly. either. It's a careful, a careful line that we tread. Uh, all right, I've got a question here uh, that came from Marilyn, who says, I read that you can use a magic eraser sponge to remove spray tan. Hmm, interesting question. Thank you, yeah. Marilyn. Um, first of all, in case you're not familiar with it, what the heck is a magic eraser? Well, that's just the brand name for a Procter & Gamble household product under their Mr. Clean line. It's made from, uh, it's, a, it's a spongy material. It's, it's called melamine foam. Uh, I think it's an interesting product because of how it came about. Melamine foam is actually a formaldehyde melamine sodium bisulfite copolymer. And it's been used for decades as insulation for pipes and, and ductwork and soundproofing and so forth. Uh, but at some point, some enterprising chemist figured out that they could incorporate a surfactant into this stuff, make it into hand-sized blocks, and sell it as a household cleanser to erase stains from hard surfaces. Wow. It's good technology transfer. Sure. Now, will it get rid of a spray tan? Yeah, probably pretty well. You know, the, the DHA, the dihydroxyacetone that's used to um, uh, in these sunless tanners, that stuff reacts with the upper layer of the stratum corneum to stain the protein in skin. Now, if you scrub that upper layer off, you'll make the tan go away faster. In fact, that's one test that's used for, uh, to measure exfoliation efficacy. You know, you stain several spots on the skin, you uh, use an instrument to measure the color on each spot of the skin, and then you apply a different type of exfoliator, use it, and then remeasure the color. And the lightest spots are, are the ones that are most effectively exfoliating because they remove the most color. Right. So I would, ex I would expect this melamine uh, sponge would, would probably act similarly. Now, is it safe? That's a different question. 
you know, as a general rule, and we've said this before, it's never a good idea to use a household product on your skin. And that's because household products are not subject to the same kind of safety testing requirements as personal care products are. In this case, it may contain some free formaldehyde. That may or may not be a problem, you know, unless it, you know, it's present at a fairly high level. But there could be other issues. I mean, for example, there could be small amounts of unreacted polymer in yeah. the brush that uh, could elicit an, an allergic reaction. You know, it's one thing if you're just holding one of these things in your hand as you're, you know, scrubbing down your kitchen counter. It's another thing if you're rubbing this all over your body to get rid of the tan. So, you know, these household products are not tested the same way that cosmetics are because the rules are different. So if there's no clear advantage to using it, um, then you're only taking a risk for no reason. So I would say, Marilyn, no, don't. Right. Uh, you'd, you'd be better off using a standard exfoliator. Uh, no, just, or just a washcloth, right. you know, and some, some body wash, yeah. you know, will do the same thing exactly. for Exactly. All right. From scraping off tans to milk of magnesia on your face, uh, here's a question we got about whether milk of magnesia is a good makeup primer. Uh, we blogged about this a few years ago, but we haven't really discussed it on the show. Um, and it's just one of those internet hacks that, you know, it just won't die. And as as we've seen in the story earlier, home remedies are, are not really <laughs> usually a good thing. And sometimes they can actually yes. be pretty dangerous. Uh, we still see this, uh, this milk of magnesia as a primer. It pops up on Pinterest and YouTube. Right. And the Pope was all over this, you said earlier. <laughs> the the right? Pope of me, yeah. Well, anyway, milk of magnesia is a common over-the-counter laxative. And technically speaking, it's a solution of magnesium hydroxide and sodium hypochlorite. And it works by drawing water into the intestine so you can properly poop. So, so <laughs> okay. the, I wonder if the, the Pope uses magnesium. <laughs> There's something there. Wow, we are getting hate mail. <laughs> anyway, can this stuff do anything for the skin? Well... The ability to drive water absorption into the intestines may make it capable of tightening skin and then leaving a smooth surface for makeup. So that's the theory. And it may also have some mild antibacterial properties. And okay. since it's such an effective absorbent, it may get rid of excess oil. Another rumor is that it's good for acne. Uh, but, um, yeah, I've heard that too. So there is enough here that you can sort of see how the idea got started, right? But question is 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 it safe well no not really i mean it has a ph which is really high about ph of 10.5 and that means it can disrupt the natural acid mantle of your skin which means it can dry your skin out uh, leave you open to skin infections and you know other right. nefarious things yeah. And if you use this stuff on a regular basis, especially if you leave it on your skin like you would have to for a makeup primer, I think it's far more likely to do damage than it is going to help, right? I mean, typically, yeah. I mean really, why wouldn't you just use a product specifically formulated to be used on your face instead? <laughs> I mean, cosmetic chemists are not out there goofing off. They're out there making products well. that work better than stuff like this, right? I know, and that question comes up again and again. I, you know, sometimes it's about saving money, why people, you know, do it, choose to do it yourself. But I think finding these hacks makes people feel smarter or more empowered. You know, they're sort of yeah. taking control of their beauty routine, taking it away from big beauty. Right. Um, and I get that, but 
you know what would really make you smarter and more empowered is to ask us first because we'll try and sort the ones that really work from the ones that could hurt you. Yeah. Um, you just you do just need to be careful. Yeah, I mean, some things might seem like a good idea on paper, but you know, these are, you know, sometimes dangerous chemicals that you're working with, so you shouldn't just willy-nilly put it on your face or skin. Yeah, for, for sure, no matter what the Pope says. Okay, so uh, before we get to our last question, quickly, let's give an iTunes shout-out. Very, very excited because, uh, well, actually, it's, it's good and bad news. Uh, the good news is we have reached our 100th review. All right, that's great. And I'm, I'm going to let you read that in just a minute. Now, the bad news is that, at least as of this week, our overall ranking is dropping because Vogue's new podcast is kicking butt. And I don't think it's really fair. In their fifth episode... They interviewed Kim Kardashian. What? I mean, there's no way we can compete against that. I, I guess the only thing we can do is, Perry, I'm going to have to ask you to post more nude selfies. <laughs> well, we'll see. I'll have to tone up my butt for that. <laughs> All right. So you can have the pleasure of uh, reading our 100th review. All right. Here's the 100th review, and it comes from Meanie. Uh, Meanie says, I'm, I am 65, obviously beyond anti-aging, and I love these boys. They are smart, funny, and I'm sure so handsome. I enjoy their bantering and even their foul language. Wow, foul language. Awesome. <laughs> uh, well, That's thank awesome. you so much for that. I could not have written a better 100th review. Right. Thank you, Meanie. And uh, now, Randy, right. you get the uh, last uh, question there? I get the last question. This one comes to us from Francis, and she says... I've recently gotten into skincare products from East Asia. Hey, East Asia, I, I said that uh, last you, week and you, you made did, fun of me. You did, you did, yeah. Uh, East Asia, mainly k- Korea, and sheet masks are a big trend over there. My question is, do sheet masks actually deliver superior hydration to the skin? All right, so, you know, while a sheet mask is on your face, it is a very good hydrator. I mean, these things cover a lot of surface area they're larger reservoirs of, of product than just a thin layer of lotion, and they're, I mean, they're extremely occlusive, uh, which means they'll trap moisture against your skin. They even make those foil-backed masks, which would be even more occlusive. You know, nothing's going to evaporate through the, the back of the foil of right. the mask. So, so if you want to hold um, a high concentration of moisture against your skin, as well as active ingredients, a mask would be a would give you a, a superior uh, efficacy in that regard. However, <laughs> uh, remember that you only leave masks on for a few minutes, right? What, 10, 15 yeah. minutes maybe, something in that range? So what happens once you remove it? Well, these masks don't leave a lot of product behind. Compared to a cream or lotion, a mask isn't likely to provide much of a benefit after it's removed. Um, now, I mean, of course it depends on, you know, if, the, if, the, if there's a proper amount of an active ingredient, but you know, Francis asked about hydration. Just from a hydration perspective, masks are not the ideal delivery system. They also don't allow you to fine tune the delivery like a cream does. You know, you can put, you know, right underneath your eyes, around your nose, where you have all those dormant hair follicles that we talked <laughs> right, about. Right. Uh, I mean, you really can just customize and get a lotion or a cream exactly where you need to moisturize. A mask, those things are pre-cut usually. They don't form fit quite as tightly to your face. So the targeted, the, the lack of um, targeted delivery and the fact that once you remove the thing after a couple of minutes, then you're going to have a diminishing benefit. Uh, I would say that sheet masks really do not provide 
uh, superior yeah. hydration. Sorry, it's Francis. it's more of an experiential thing, right? Uh, yeah, they're fine. Yeah. There's no no problem in using them if you like them, but just don't expect, don't believe the right. hype that they're going to hydrate better than right. a good face cream. Use one. a mask for a fun Friday night, but use your moisturizer when you want effects. <laughs> what? It sounds like you're knocking off a liquor store or something. What do you mean? No, don't you just sit around eating grapes and putting on facial masks? <laughs> <laughs> A little bit too much information about you and Mrs. Romanowski, I'm afraid. Did I tell you how I hurt my back? <laughs> yeah, sitting in the chair. All right. Well, you All know, right. if you uh, find our expertise uh, amusing, interesting, and helpful, you can get your question asked, answered by just recording your question on your smartphone and then emailing mm-hmm. it to us at thebeautybrains at gmail.com, and then uh, your voice might show up on the show. Yeah, and uh, if you don't want to get involved in this whole hot mess, you can also just email us your question or tweet it to us or put it on Facebook or whatever. Yeah, you can follow us on Twitter, The Beauty Brains, and we have our Facebook page, which, incidentally, we've had a lot of activity on that Facebook page. Uh, nice job. Most of the hate mail ends up on our <laughs> this Facebook page now, which is good. Yeah, no. Makes it a little easier to good respond. Job. All right. Barry, we are out of time, oh, darn. so I want to want to thank you uh, for another great show. Thank our listeners for putting up with us again, and remind everybody to come back next week. And until then, to be brainy about their beauty. Thanks, everybody. Bye.